0: The typical model for engagement is more around time, time and materials, um, and you know, quite a traditional model. It's a, a way that people are used to uh, uh, paying for services. But I, I wanted to sort of think, well, you know, it would be really beneficial to have a, a proposition whereby um, I could offer um, a more defined outcome and an output for for a project. But the, but the philosophy really is, is to. Is to almost democratise the world of um, freelance working, consulting in, from the independent side, and to you know really open up and and enable the workforce across the UK in, in over the next sort of five, six, seven years. of the, the situation linked to COVID-19, I think it's, you know, forcing people to, to work more remotely. And, you know, therefore, one of the things that I, I hope will happen as a result of that is, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a shift in terms of how people want to, uh, you know, want to work, but also a shift in terms of how businesses require their people to work in terms of where they expect them to be. <laughs> Presenteeism has is, is, is not been proven to be anything else other than a, you know, a, a negative influence, mm. really. So, but actually a lot of people are judged on whether or not they're there at eight o'clock in the morning until six o'clock in the night. You know, we know we've got a climate emergency. You know, if we can convince people yeah. to uh, convince business and indeed uh, people that they don't need to travel into an office you know, every single day at the same time as much, then, surely, there's got to be benefits of that. You know, often the, the, one of the big problems that businesses have is people generate work where work's not needed because they, they fill time. That generates work for a whole bunch of other people and generating you know, this, this multiplication effect, you know, which, which actually then leads to, you know, yes, there's an awful lot of people doing a lot of stuff. But it's quite low in terms of productivity because it's not targeted, it's not focused. And generally speaking, that then leads people to a point when they get frustrated because things that they're working on don't see the light of day. My feeling around it is, is, is that there's a way to, to change the way people look at work right? and to change the way people engage with work, to give people more freedom, more empowerment, you know, more flexibility.
1: On this episode of the Pocket Mastermind podcast, we're speaking to Danny Dixon. Danny's the founder of a startup freelance employment platform called Portivo. We discuss how the time has come to evolve the way we work by moving away from Victorian Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 model and a culture of presenteeism to embrace ways of working more suitable for a digital age. With the technology available to us, do we really need to be commuting for multiple hours per day? And should where you live or whether you have family commitments dictate the opportunities available to you? Listen to how Danny and Portivo are working to change the status quo over the coming years. If you'd like to find out more about Danny and Portivo, head over to portivo.org. Welcome, Danny, to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. So you've just started a project called Portivo. Can you tell us a bit about what Port Evo is, what the starting point of that has been and what you're hoping to achieve with the project?
0: Yeah, so I, th- I think um, I-, I spent, I spent uh, you know, 25 years or so working in industry for sort of large uh, businesses, um, more latterly, uh, three, uh, the mobile company. And, and over that time, you know, I, I spent a-, a lot of time, um, you know, working, um, you know, with internal People with, you know, part in terms of agencies or consultancies with, you know, some of the big the big players as well. And, you know, I saw variable results from that some, some really good results, some not so good results. And then when I, you know, I had the opportunity uh, to, to move on uh, from three and I decided that after, you know, the time that I'd been there, that was the right time to do it. I thought actually it would be quite good to, um, to, to become an independent um consultant i suppose and i don't particularly like the word consultant because it, it elicits a it's a different responses from people but a sort of independent um freelance worker that, that you know could use the 25 years of experience that i had to you know provide you know value to, to businesses across different sort of parts of the it's business spectrum and then, you know, I started to think, well, okay, wouldn't it be great if I could build a, you know, we hear about associate networks, uh, build to build an associate network of like-minded individuals. And I thought, well, actually, if I was going to do that, what would be my point of difference to um, some of the existing ones that are out there? And one of the things that I've seen over the time um, when I've been working with, you know, as I said, the various, uh, you know, consultancies, agencies, or other forms of partners in that sense is, the typical model for engagement is more around time, time and materials, um, and you know quite a quite traditional model. It's a, a way that people are used to uh, uh, paying for services. But I I wanted to sort of think well, you know, it would be really beneficial to have uh, a, a proposition whereby um, I could offer um, a more defined uh, outcome and an output for, for a project, um, and focusing on defining what what was involved within that um we've been getting to that out, output and, out, and outcome. And then um you know potentially even work on a on a on a fixed price uh, basis. So start to offer I just sort of more productize um what would d- typically be a consultant service. Mm-hmm. So you know spend a bit more time up front, you know, this idea of slowing down to speed up in the in, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, define it, agree that with the client and then um you know engage on the project and deliver it. So then I started to think, okay, you, you know, if I, you know, maybe I could get, I don't know, 20, 30, 50, you know, both size associate network, it could be relatively successful. Um, but I, I, over the Christmas time, I was, I was doing a bit of thinking in, in the time that we had um, off and um, I um, got to the uh, 6th of January and I sat down with a, a, a pad and, sorry, a pad and a pen and, um I started writing down how you know using a mobile device how could um how could we connect uh you know the different facets of of an a individual's pro, uh, profile mm-hmm. to a whole range of different um uh, types of work engagement so I started to think well, okay well you know if I wanted to uh, scale up this model to be something that was much bigger than you know 30 40 50 60 people uh what would be the right way to do that so i started into more in the thing more in the context of creating a much more um scalable digital platform that uh, you know would be based on the con on the concept of engaging people for uh, clean mind uh, statements of work mm-hmm. on statements of work uh, we'll probably give it a different name in time uh you know and, and then connecting people with those statements of work um you know, uh, freelance people, so they can connect directly with clients who have those statements, work and those needs, and doing that over a digital platform, and then trying to do that at scale. So it's um, it's it sort of evolved, if you like, from the from the sixth of, of of Jan, um, and you know, over the last two months, has started to evolve into something a bit more um, significant. Still very early on mm-hmm. uh, in, in 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 the process, but the, but the philosophy really is is to is to Almost democratise the world of um, freelance working, consulting in, from the independent side, and to you know really open up and, and enable the workforce across the UK in, in over the next sort of five, six, seven years.
1: And are there any particular sectors that you you'd want to be targeting initially? Is there do you see a natural fit in certain skill sets?
0: I, I think it um, when we look at it over the. Um, the the types of focus areas we've got at the moment it's you know my my background is in the is in the area of customer experience it's mm-hmm. in product development you know proposition development uh, transformational change customer value creation sort of those types of areas mm-hmm. so the, the 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 people that I'm initially working with are are focused within that within that area but so the, that's going to be our starting point but the idea is 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 when we build um, a piece of uh, technology that can then facilitate this interaction between the the client and the and the associate consultant mm-hmm. or the freelance uh, person the idea would be we build that in such a way that it can be quite agnostic to mm-hmm. the you know the um, the piece of work in question or, or the client so but i mean t- typically the, the the focus will be on um you know more professional uh, sort of freelance type mm-hmm. activity initially and um you know, it's not aimed in, in, in to be or intended to be the fiver end of the mm-hmm. um, um, ecosystem. It's sort of intended to be, you know, chunkier, like chunkier pieces of work that uh, a company can buy on a work package type mm-hmm. basis.
1: And do you see, uh, do you see a role for maybe small? organizations, small businesses to be able to effectively pitch for statements of work within that. So the individuals, maybe one or two uh, people in a business, like a small digital marketing agency, for example, something like that. Do you see them interacting with your service? Is that or is it purely individual?
0: Uh, uh, No, I I see the, um, I, I see the ability for um uh, small to medium enterprises to mm-hmm. be able to or even or in smaller businesses to be able to access because if you think about it there's there's often a cost barrier that some of these businesses have to be able to engage with some of the larger consultancy organizations mm-hmm. and and other forms of agency um and sometimes even with the uh we you know what you call the contingent labor market so mm-hmm. the you know sort of contract type resource if we're able to, you know, work package down uh, professional services, you know, you potentially into into smaller bite-sized engagements, then that then opens up that um, market opportunity for uh, small businesses as well. So if I'm a small business with a relatively small budget, uh, I'm able to access um, people who've worked, uh, who've got a sort of broad range of experience, but, the, but you know, might just be a short-term engagement yeah. and, and therefore I can access them. So it sort of, it opens up the whole, Landscape from a from a buy side as well as a supply side as well.
1: Sounds really interesting. What I guess that one of the challenges has been historically uh, getting people to to buy into this remote working, and obviously where we find ourselves now uh, with enforced yeah. remote working, it could be a good catalyst for that. Have you have you thought about um, what the potential benefits of of this? Of this enforced change might mean for for the project
0: yeah i mean i, I think it's it's one of those um scenarios where it, it's it's the, the current situation we find ourselves in and i guess we're all struggling to adjust to that is one that is um is forcing us to to work in a much more sort of remote manner um if you think about the you know the context you know before all of this is people are cramming themselves into the into into their cars on trains mm-hmm. that you know trains are packed during. You know the the uh, rush hour uh, windows either at the start of the day, end of the day. You know at the moment that you know all of that that situation has had to stop because of the, you know, the situation linked to COVID uh, nineteen. I think the um, it's 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 you know forcing people to to work more remotely, and you know therefore one of the things that I I hope will happen as a result of that is, uh, you know there's there's a, there's a there's a shift in terms of how people want to. Uh, you know, one work, but also a shift in terms of how businesses require their people to work, in terms of where they expect them to be. You know, because I think it's unfortunate that a lot of a lot of success at an individual level in in in, in corporate enterprise or or even in even smaller businesses generally based on how many time how many, how many hours you spend in the office. Yeah. You know, presenteeism is, is is not being proven to be anything else other than a you know a, a negative influence mm-hmm. really. So but actually a lot of people are judged on whether or not they're there at eight o'clock in the morning until six o'clock in the night. Whereas actually, if you're able to say, look, you know, this is the thing that I want, um, uh, doing, um, you don't really need to be here, you know, five days a week. I'd, I'd like to see you one day a week or whatever it yeah. is. That's fine. But actually you do it much more flexibly then you, you, you know, um, I think the current situation that we have is, um, will encourage people to think more and more like mm-hmm. that um and be able to you know work much more flexibly much more remotely which if there can be any positive that comes out of this you know that that, that, that i think is one of them yeah you know, and, and you know just to build on that you know we know we've got a climate emergency you know if we can convince people yeah. to uh convince business and indeed uh, people that they don't need to travel into an office you know every single day at the same time as much then surely there's got to be benefits of that as well
1: yeah definitely i think um I think we we talked about this previously. The per, the presenteeism is is a massive challenge. I think, and um, I think if the a couple of things that could change, you know, with a, a statement of works or a process by which you're proposing, I think is is great. And I think also linked to that is really being paid for the outcome rather than the the process as such. And I think at the sure. moment because of you know these days everything is based on a on a fixed salary effectively regardless of how many hours you're there um yeah companies are quite happy for people to work uh really long mm. days um not get much rest uh, and i think that would change if they were paying mm. for <clears throat> a specific statement of works or for a time period if everyone was on hourly wage i bet you wouldn't see many people in the office at eight o'clock in the evening because the business couldn't afford to sustain that right so
0: well that's right and and the other thing is if you know you you, you've got a lot of experience within you know the sort of you know uh, service corporate you know Mm -hmm. sector and things like that and and you know often the the, one of the big problems that businesses have is people generate work where work's not needed um, because they, they fill time that generates work for a whole bunch of other people, and generate you know this uh, this multiplication effect, you know, which which actually then leads to you know yes, there's an awful lot of people doing a lot of stuff, but it's quite low in terms of productivity because it's not targeted, it's not focused. It's whereas you, 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 people can you know, and, and and generally speaking, that then leads people to a point when they get frustrated because they can't um, the things that they're working on don't see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Opportunity for um... For, for businesses to be to be focused more on um you know the things that matter the things that are going to add value to the business um it takes a different type of leadership yeah um you know i think um but but it you know and it requires people to better define what they want to do um, upfront um but i think the the gains in in the long term and the and the saving uh, i think would be significant for business over time and
1: what do you think needs to change from a leadership? perspective for this to, to be I think, adopted
0: yeah i think it requires um i think it requires leaders to simply be more clear on what they want out mm-hmm. of something and and you know i, I think we've seen over time we've seen leaders be, be sort of more resource managers and and, and, and actually, you know, not necessarily always undertaken the leadership obligation, which is to set mm-hmm. direct the direction of travel to, you know, to define, you know, the, the element of the strategy or the strategy, depending on where they sit in the business, um, you know, to, 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 to provide that guidance and the right level of prioritization, people within the team. Um, and, you know, then, you know, importantly, enable people to do that. So mm-hmm. not be, you know, not be the person that's got to, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, all seeing and all knowing all the time, but actually then bring the team up around them to be able to be successful. And I think we've, um, I think a lot of leaders, uh, these days, uh, don't really do uh, that very well. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a, you know, it's sort of get into something and then find you know muddle their way through it to the point that they, that they might get to the outcome whereas actually if leaders had to spend more time thinking about the direction that they were going in uh thinking about what the priorities were defining what you know what they wanted in terms of outcomes and outputs then in in time again as i use the expression they run you know you slow down the speed up mm-hmm. you, know, you know yes getting started might take you a little bit longer would get into the to the solution uh, becomes much quicker in the long run
1: well i think you end up saving a fair amount of time as a result of that i think you know you and i have both been uh, part of projects where they probably got started a bit too quick Uh, Mm. a, a deadline was put in place that was probably never realistic and as a result that the deadline wasn't achieved and the project ended up running on probably three times longer than it otherwise would have done had the due diligence been done up front rather than trying to rush it through and and then falling over multiple challenges along the way
0: yeah yeah Um, you know i I was involved in one thing in 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 the past myself where the the biggest driver at one particular point was just to deliver something Mm. in inverted commas now it wasn't quite as as as, black as that, but it was. Um, there was there was an awful lot of rushing to be able to prove that we could do something. We spend an awful long time after that, yeah, um, yeah. trying to uh, verify what the actual you know proposition was for the customer, and you know because we couldn't uh, clearly, um, you know that wasn't clearly understood as we we wanted to be. Um, you know we, we ended up losing a lot of time because we had to then reinvent it later on mm. so you know you do you do you know it it, uh, it feels good to um, to be able to get something out quickly yeah but it isn't always it isn't always the best thing if it's if you know if that idea was ill conceived to start off with
1: yeah and the other thing i think um, potentially it's probably going slightly off topic but i think the other the other part of leadership it's probably as a level of detachment from the outcome that i've definitely seen and so i think that there's so many there's so many layers removed quite often particularly within large organizations that they don't necessarily know what is happening whether it's something is being delivered and whether something else could have been achieved the message goes up all the time we've done everything we possibly can and i've definitely seen that um that isn't always the case you know I, i've viewed, i've <laughs> viewed and thought had seen the messages that that went from the, the, what actually happened and then the message that made its way yeah. uh, further up the chain don't necessarily yeah. give the decision makers the right information to be able to make effective decisions and i think unless the leadership are willing to then not just purely rely on the information they're provided but go out and check and and look for themselves and really understand mm. and i think that's where you see some of the some of the key leaders people like jeff bezos for example he he knows the amazon business inside out from the from the top to the bottom and and that's why they're mm. so incredibly successful i i, yeah, I don't yeah. see that being replicated quite a lot in a lot of businesses and and maybe that's an opportunity to change and maybe that will ha- maybe that will change by moving more to a statement of works because people become more accountable purely for that outcome rather than for the busy. outcome yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right yeah i think And you're right. I think I think people like like Jeff Bezos. I mean, you know, a very strong example. You know, Steve Jobs. um, You know, the late Steve Jobs. another very good example. And people people tend to talk about these. You know, there's a few individuals Mm -hmm. who do this do this really well, and you know they take inspiration um, um, from them, but then don't necessarily execute in in the way that they do. And and as you say, these these people, even though they're very very senior at the head of the organisation that they 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 knew the business inside and out and were able to create clarity, you know, that, yeah. that's absolutely crucial. And 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 execute rigorously against that clarity, uh, that made sure that everything from the top of the organization was lined up to the bottom. Now there's a whole bunch, you know, when you talk about the, the, the Portivo journey that I'm on, there's a whole bunch of things that are in there that you you know you break it down into chunks of activity. You know, it's that type of thing you you know you can then choose whether you're setting those as goals for internal people, or you are, uh, you know, work packaging them to to an external resource supply, but that that um, structured approach to how you know what is important, and then how do you want to execute it, mm-hmm. and then making sure that everyone's lined up around being able to execute it in that way, it sounds like it's quite a basic thing, but it's often, you know, I've found that it's often missing, uh, you know, and you mentioned earlier on in terms of the. The, um the the, the the bottom to the to the top in terms of how the message changes and you know I think there's this um I heard the story you know where people say you know at the lower levels that people deem it to be a to be a um you know a plan of manure I won't mm-hmm. swear on, on the podcast um and then by the time it gets to the um, senior levels, it's deemed to be a plan for growth. Do you know what, <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And, <laughs> it's absolutely- uh, it's <laughs> sort of massaged as it goes through the, through the ranks uh you because know, people add their own little bit to it, you know yeah. I've seen it so many times before where red, 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 all the way down in terms of the rag status mm-hmm. and um, and then by the time it gets further up, it goes to amber, and then you know eventually it'll end up as green, Basically, yeah. so they, they found some uh, some
1: reason to change the color there's there's something yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I think yeah. then and and but it's dangerous i think in if in terms of business success because and I think it comes down to culture, I think there are some businesses where they are truly radically open and and the the truth is transmitted up and down but I think they're in the minority, the vast majority I think is still a bit of a hangover I don't know whether it's from being at school and if you do something Mm. wrong and you're going to get told off and so people find a way of adapting the story to protect Mm. them and those around them rather than actually let's have a culture of true openness, we can Mm. identify what's gone wrong What the cause was and how we do it differently so that we're able to move forwards and be successful and i think that you mentioned steve jobs i think he was probably well renowned for his brutal honesty (laughs) and but but look where it look where it got them you know and i think the the culture of that honesty um flowed in multiple directions
0: yeah yeah and i think um you you know my my belief around this is I, i think you're right it starts with the education system that we have, you know, we condition people from a very early age that, you know, um, that, 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 you know, reward, if you like, and and success is based on, you know, is based on, you know, getting the right results, you know, Mm -hmm. being effectively right all the time. We have exam systems that support all of that. People can then cram information and pass an exam and ultimately be, be sort of deemed to be, to be very successful. But, you know, I think as as we've probably learned as, as we've got older, uh, you know, I'm reading a book at the moment, the uh, the Mark Manson book, um, the the subtle art of, um, not, you know, not giving, not up. giving up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> um, and um, you know, w- one of the things that uh, that he, you know, talks about is the the only way you learn is through failure, yeah. right? So it's an, and I know it's an overused cliche a, a lot of the time, that um, you know, th- this idea that you know fail fast and everything else, mm-hmm. but actually, I do really believe it. Yeah. That you 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 only get better at something by failing at it because how would you ever get better? You know, absolutely. It's, you know, how how what's your benchmark for being good at something? So if you can't, you know, but but we but the society we live in uh, says says it 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 recognises and supports failure, but often people you know can be punished, you know, be it directly, indirectly, yeah. you know, in a passively aggressive way, sometimes openly for failure, and I think. You know, I used to have this conversation, you know, with people when I was sort of working in the corporate environment. My personal belief is I failed, at, I've failed, at, you know, a lot of things in, mm-hmm. in my life, and I'm happy to, to admit that. But you know, I'm a much stronger person for, for that, now. Absolutely, and, yeah. and um, you know, not only at a sort of humanistic level for myself personally, but just as a, you know, in terms of the, the knowledge that I have, because it, it, you know, like failure is painful, It right? can, can be, mm-hmm. feels painful but you, but um, then drove me personally to go out there and find out more about things where maybe I was weak and now I'm not, I'm not so weak anymore. I'm yeah. still not at the destination, you know, cause I don't believe we ever get there, no, you don't. but I'm, but, but I'm, you know, I, I think I am better, much stronger at those things. I feel much more credible and much more comfortable and all, all of those sorts of things. So I, you know, I started taking risks that I never would have took before, like mm-hmm. writing articles and things like that, you know, creating a blog and, yeah, you know, I never would have taken those risks before, but but you know, the sense that you can just put yourself out there and, and and be be okay, I'm okay with being wrong if somebody just yeah. disagrees with me and say so. But you know, um,
1: that's one of the, the scariest things, really, isn't it? It's doing something. I mean, we we started this, and it's you kind of putting yourself out there. We kind of have a the benefit that we're we're talking to people like yourself, and it's I guess it's probably a little less daunting than just staring at a camera and and talking yeah. talking stuff i don't know how you ever get to get to the place where <laughs> that feels comfortable um yeah but yeah i think you to and you have to absolutely have to try and fail and and you know steve will tell you the first few of these we've done there's always been something that hasn't gone to plan and you'd realize you need something else you know it started off mm. oh we'd, we'll start a podcast we'll get some microphones and and a and a desk and then we realized we needed to power it in a particular power. way, and then we had to get then we had to get cameras. There's all sorts of stuff. There's just more and yeah. more and more learning, and I think unless you fail at something, like you say, I don't think you ever move So You just, at best, you yeah. stay the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know, you know, it. it, it and, the, and the other thing I think is to be comfortable. with have already talked before about. You know, I do an awful lot of meditation at least yeah. and um and, and it's it's been a life changer for me. But w- one of the things that I, that I do d- during my med- I do my meditation, you know, every day in the morning. But it's like you know, it's part of my I don't know internal mantra sort of thing that I go through, is to is to re- is to recognize the stuff I'm not good at, mm-hmm. and just like sort of almost you know, it, there's a section in that where I just you know sort of can recognize who I am, but then also that I'm. Uh, and it's not. i saying that you know, I'm, I'm rubbish at something. These are areas where I'm, you know, um, I'm not as strong as I want to be, or I have a behavioural characteristic I don't mm-hmm. quite like. And it's not again. It's not a not meant to be a self-critic. It's just acknowledging yeah. that it's there and not suppressing it. Yeah. Just to, just to let it out. And I, you know, that can apply in a business context or in a, or in a human, you know, day-to-day life life context as well.
1: No, I think it's. I think that's important. I think. Um... Even going back to the book Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, there's a whole piece in there around self-inventory for that particular mm. purpose. It's kind of a review of your own behaviors, your personality traits, your skills, because the whole idea of being behind that is, try if if you know yourself and you can be honest with yourself, you can do something about it.
0: And actually, you know, you you mentioned it earlier on. You know, if, if we were just more honest and more human. Uh, in the business environment, life would be so much better for people. Yeah. you know there's so much nonsense that goes on in in the environment. Um, you, you know that's just you know is, is politically charged it's you know based on you know p- p- people's personal motivators and things like that. whereas actually as you know, when I you get back you know just to the the the, the idea behind Portivo, mm-hmm. which is, you know this defined outcomes, outputs, statements of work. You know, let people do the stuff that they're good at. Yeah. You know, uh, and then rate them on that basis of can they get to that point. You, you, that, that's why you know there is a there is a linkage there to me with things like mental well being and everything else because you people can recognise that um, that they are able to do certain things and you know and they are they do they have strengths in it in a certain way and because a lot of the time you you know the the things that 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 I think you know can have an, an adverse impact on people in the in, in those types of environments. It's not the type of work that they do or the or the skills or capabilities that they need to have. Um because if we got those, you know, it's it's everything else that goes with it. And I, I think this, if we can find a way to, you know, point people at the you know the ability to um, provide you know, a service uh, within the you know that that environment, then I think it, it, it's a different a different context altogether.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, you could then, if you were the leadership leadership within a business, and you could say, right, we've got these particular tasks need doing. We could we need somebody who's good at X and somebody that's good at Y. You can effectively cherry pick people for individual skills for individual tasks. Whereas I think the current model is very much a. You know, chuck a basket of things into a job description, and yeah. hope that some you find somebody where some of it sticks. And ultimately, I think you end up with people doing maybe even you know if they're lucky twenty, thirty percent of their job that they really don't enjoy at all. Um, but yeah. in most cases, I it's probably a high percentage. They're of they're very lucky, very lucky. So <laughs> uh... yeah, I think you it's end up darker. doing a whole load of tasks that yeah. no that yeah. that you don't really enjoy doing, and and it's but you you speak to other people that you know for me i'm i'm more of a a higher level strategic type thinking Mm. person and i prefer to be in the conversation trying to solve the the problem Mm. i'm not so keen when it comes down to the the right now let's do the doing section of Mm. it but then there's loads of people Mm. that really love getting in and and, and so yeah if you can find people to complement your skill set i think you can go a really long yeah
0: well, that's it, isn't it? You you build You try and build a team. If you're working in a team like that, you're trying to build a team with sort of varying competencies and yeah. recognising yeah. where those different things are. But that's the other thing about Portivo again in the sort of longer run. Um, you know, there's a when people think about you know assessments or psychometric profile, and they probably think, oh, you know, this is a it's something that's meant to catch me out. It's it's you know my my own experiences with this type of thing haven't always been great. You know, it's sort of I've typically found that rather than being used for you, they're mm-hmm. sort of more used uh, against you. And, you know, people, you, you know, they obviously use a lot of recruitment, and but generally as more of a reductive thing. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to be able to find a way to use this type of sort of, you know, psychometric profile to be a strength finder. So you, um, you, you know, if you, you flip it on its head, so you can then, um, you know, give the power to the, the person, you know, the, the, the associate, you know, or the consultant. You know to to understand you know the types of work that they could mm-hmm. be good at or the types of statements of where they could be good at some of those things they might they might know or they might believe that they know there could be a whole raft of other things that they could be good at that they maybe never have practiced yeah that you can open up that world for them and you know again i'm sort of talking in the in the longer term but it is then to have you know um, on the network is to have people who could coach them in some of those things. So if if they've got the you know the right profile to do that sort of statement of work, but have never done it before, yeah. but let's say you had done it, then you know perhaps you could coach them. And then you know the, you know the idea being that if I'm if I'm if I'm working in this way, I have access to a broader range of opportunity. I have access to the development opportunity, and then you, everybody benefits from the network effect. And not only yeah. does the you know, not only do the people you know on the network, in terms of the, the consultants' benefits, but so does the so does the business side, the the buy side, because they get better quality and higher quality. And I, I, you know, my 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 feeling around it is 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 that there's a way to to change the way people look at work, mm-hmm. uh, and to change the way people engage with work, to give people more freedom, more empowerment, you know, more flexibility. I mean, I was talking with. Um, uh, the the gen who's doing the, uh, the some of the brand work for me at the moment uh, for it, and you know just we look at um, sort of uh, demographics within society who can often be marginalised unfairly. You know, um, um, you know a working mum who you know wants to return back back uh, from uh, work after after maternity leave. Uh, can often find, you know, that, you know, despite the diversity and inclusion and things within the corporate environment, their career becomes a little bit stilted because they they have different choices and different priorities. Well so that's not fair. And and actually, um, you know, if they could work much more flexibly and they weren't wasn't the thing that was important then you know, you, you know and, and it was based on outcomes and outputs, then there's a great opportunity. You know, people from the um, you know, classified and registered as disabled, mm-hmm. you, you know. Who maybe can, I mean, maybe aren't as mobile as uh, other people in some cases, or, or, or don't want to, or can't, you know, work within a corporate environment. But they're very, very highly skilled at something. Mm-hmm. Can we open up the, the the business landscape for them by making sure they don't have to travel to these places, but actually can offer their skills in a in a, in a, in a more remote way? And as I can go on, you know, the list goes mm-hmm. on. But I, my feeling is there's an awful lot of talent that exists out there. in not only in the UK, but across the world, mm-hmm. that doesn't get access uh, 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 to some of these uh, projects, and also I think there's not a lot of business who don't get it, don't have access to the full market. Yeah, and I think that somehow needs to change.
1: Yeah, I think I, I you know, having worked in a couple of organisations now, what you know, on a kind of a national role, one of the things I see, and I see the ma- a huge frustration is, you know, some very talented people who are maybe living in in scotland or in the north of england or something and you know maybe they've come up through a sales role and they want to progress into a different area be you know go into a more proposition maybe role or 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 some kind of other you know centralized function but unless they're willing to move to the southeast of england there's no there's not really any opportunity opportunity to do that and i think you know something like portivo will actually open up opportunities yeah. for people like that to move into and progress their careers and not get stuck in a field sales mm-hmm. role for example because hey that's the only way they're going to make a certain level of income without moving yeah. down to to london or the surrounding area where the big organizations are based
0: uh, exactly we, we, we i mean you know I'm, I'm a i'm an economic migrant myself you know i'm from the northeast of england i you know i saw the, the you know 20 odd years ago but i saw mm-hmm. that the only way for me to build a successful career was to move move to London. Now, I've had a great life in doing that. You know, I met my wife, and I've, you know, children have settled in, in the south southeast of England. I'm very happy with that, but that's not for everybody and yeah. not everybody wants to do that. And they shouldn't be forced to do that to enjoy a successful and, yeah. uh, you know, a fulfilling career. You, you know, I think that, I was talking with a friend of mine as well recently who, um, his brother, uh, he studied economics. Um, uh, he worked for, I think, one of the large... American banks, uh, for, for a while, um, very, very strong economist, but also suffered with, um, uh, sort of acute anxiety as well. And used to, you know, um, struggle within, within the working environment. Mm-hmm. So he, he, you know, long story short, he's now a truck driver. Um, he was a talented economist, but doesn't feel like he can sort of spend time in the corporate environment because he simply doesn't, doesn't feel like he can, yeah. you know, work in that way. Um, but could you know actually in a portfolio context and in a portivo context still apply his mm-hmm. capability to business problems, just not in the traditional yeah. way. So that's a loss of key capability in that particular area for our economy. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that story is repeated hundreds, thousands, you know, I don't know millions of times potentially yeah. oh, definitely. Uh, across our land.
1: Definitely. The other thing you just touched on there, I think, is well, something I'm really interested in. Uh, is is a portfolio style career and given the ability to effectively have multiple streams of income rather than relying on the one and i think never has it been made more acute than a time like now where that one stream of income is drying up very very quickly and i think you know there's we need to start with i mean it starts with education again i think to start looking at how do people really think about having multiple streams but you know, even now with people already in the workplace, it gets, it's starting to open up the, the possibility of, of people going down that route without needing to be at, you know, sea level or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it creates a, I mean, you know, there's a, there's, there's a number of big sh- big shifts that are required, but because people, people, you know, associate um, permanent employment with security, because that's how it used to be in, yeah. in generations previous to us. And, you know, and I, and perhaps there is a, a bit more security if you're in a permanent role, but as we're even seeing now, you know, a lot of companies generally are running on pretty low cash reserves and something, you know, I mean, this is an unprecedented scenario we we'll find ourselves in, but something like this happens and, and the businesses collapse basically. So they, you know, they find themselves in the situation where they didn't have, as you say, it's, it's, it's dried up and not through, through no fault of their own. Yeah. You know, but with having the ability where yes, you could potentially work much more flexibly for you know more than one business for more than one industry, you know, perhaps in that situation, well, you know, at the you know the the column side, you know, the, the, the businesses that they're working for, you know, yes, some of them might struggle, but then other ones, you know, may not, and therefore they've got you know, they could create a you know, even if there's a there's a ramp down in the stream of income, perhaps during certain situations. It doesn't happen for every industry, but on the business side as well, they're carrying an awful lot less fixed costs yeah. through this model because they're not, they haven't got all of the low productivity, you know, high, you know, levels of, of you know, inadvertent wastage, but it is wastage. Uh, so they have a like, like a healthier P and L, healthier margins, because what they're then doing is they're then dialing up and down their resource as and when they need it. Um, and, and, you know, people would say, well, does that not mean there's less work for people? I don't. I don't think so. No, I, I, I think that you know uh, this idea that you, you have access to more to more business, more opportunities, more business across the, the whole spectrum of size. Um, and I, I think it, it democratizes the whole market yeah. and actually makes you know. And it, it, it's not something that will happen overnight, but it will over a period of years. It could look the way we work and we interact with work could look very very differently. Uh, and and I think that. Um, I think that's really exciting for everybody involved. Yeah. actually.
1: and I think it, you know, it, it's it means that businesses will have to work really hard to attract the good people. Right, it's going to be a competitive market, um, yeah. and that puts a bit more power into the hands of the people doing the work. They don't, you don't have that um, kind of monopoly, really. Of once you've got an employee through the door, yeah. Well, you kind of got them there haven't you and then uh that you know yeah how you you treat them after that point and and all the rest of it is kind of irrelevant to a degree because lots of people don't leave really really miserable jobs because of the perceived fear and the hassle of doing so right but if you if you live more in a in a gig economy style then well, the good companies are going to have to do something if they want to get the good talent. Otherwise, they're you know they're really going to get left behind.
0: Well, I think you're right. I think it's it's a it's a big paradigm shift, and and I think I think you will see. I mean, I wrote an article on LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn recently about it, but I think you'll see a see a shrinking of the corporate structure because businesses actually need uh, you know uh, P and L and sort of margin uh, perspective. Uh, I think. But I think with that shift then you'll also see a transference of some of the power mm. to um the the, the you know that the people actually doing the work to, to your point there um and, it, and it's not about you know wielding that power i just think it, it will empower uh, yeah, different uh, people within that
1: system Yeah,
0: um, and just it will change the dynamic of how you know the people doing the work interact with the people who need the work done um and it doesn't mean that you'll see you know, a, a disappearance, I don't think of the corporate structure. I think there'll still be massive companies providing mm-hmm. massive services, you know, to people in, in the same way, but the way that they resource uh, those services, you know, yeah. could be done in a different way. And then, as I said there, you know, the people supplying the resource to do those services can be supplying those same resources to a bunch of other different enterprises as well at the same time. And, you know, the, the one thing we uh, sort of touched on earlier on is this idea that people you know, why do we need to work a forty-hour week? Why do you need to work a sixty-hour week? Why is it? Why is the hours important? Yeah, you know, I know. You know, we never ask ourselves that question. Like, why is that?
1: Why? Yeah. Why it's just been is arbitrary Monday to Friday, fill yeah. the week, yeah. and uh, I don't know yeah. whether you've ever seen that. Uh, there was a psychological experiment where the waiting room experiment, where it's a it's like a dentist or a doctor's waiting room or something, and there's a few people in the waiting room, and a new person comes in. And the people that are already in there are actors, effectively. And this person comes in, and there's a beep that goes off periodically. And every time there's a beep, everyone stands up. And so the new person comes in and looks funny and doesn't do it for, for the first couple. But because everyone's doing it, they start to do it. And then one by one the actors leave because they get called through and new people come in and the new people, when you get to the point where there's no original people there and everyone's doing this standing up doing this because it's just yeah. what they would do. Everyone else is doing when they got there.
0: It's just like passing the baton on, <laughs> isn't it? It's yeah. like, this, like the, the, the sort of adverse and slightly perverse side of like, you know, this like almost osmosis, like like yeah. leadership by osmosis where you know, somebody's asking you why you're doing something. You just go, "What well, everyone else was doing, yeah. so I'm, so I'm doing it." And uh, yeah, I and and, and I, I honestly think, because because if you, you know, it was part of the new business. I was I was looking at um, uh, key um, insights around the um, second industrial revolution uh-huh. and what created the you know the um, the the, the nine to five working model um, and. You know it was all around the protection of of workers and you know protect us from it you know from from themselves actually but also from you know the uh, the abuse of factory owners and things mm-hmm. like that but you know over what, 150 years ago yeah. you know, probably more than that now you know, and we live in the digital age where we've got you know more opportunities for connectivity than we've ever had before and we're still working in that way yeah it's very very strange it is
1: it's funny um the other day somebody asked me and said because you know it's been a while since i've been in the corporate world and i've been doing this and and various other things and they said is there a difference between a weekend and a weekday and i said not really now to be honest because yeah. i work when i've got stuff to do and when i want it and suddenly when something strikes me and I, I might work flat out for 10 or 12 hours and then the next day i might go cycling and i'll do a little bit less but It kind of ebbs and flows a bit more naturally now, and I feel more fulfilled on it, you know, generally as a result of doing that. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that goes back to the point on empowerment because, you know, it's it's not this isn't you know again again one of the things that that I've observed when I've worked with people, uh, you know, when I was doing some work at three and we were looking at how we could, um, you know, improve things like flexible working and improve the adoption of flexible working and. The, the thing that always comes up, you know, is this idea that, um, and this, this is not unique to any all businesses or a lot of businesses are the same. But it comes up that you know this idea that people the, there's a I guess there's a lack of trust. If we just sort mm-hmm. of put it out there that, that um, if I can't see you, then perhaps I don't you know um, feel that like you're doing your work. Uh, and and also there's a, you know that comes in from the employee side as well that you know people feel like they won't trust me, so then I've got to do more and more. Whereas you know as you said there you know and i'm finding this myself you know sometimes i work you know really hard you know for for a long period of time mm-hmm. but then yes i'll take i'll take some breaks or i'll go down the gym you know in the morning or i'll you know i'm not i'm not confined to it to it to a schedule uh that, that is um you know that's so rigorous mm-hmm. in, in that sense. And, and and that can feel quite empowering you know if you if you can scale that model for everybody um you know people put some sensible controls around it um then you know within that model then they might decide you know that they want to take a, a three month um you know break from it all mm-hmm. and, and you know just take some time out and then be able to plug back in you know into into a into a network where they can you know they can they can they can get the work you know as as they were before mm-hmm. um and I, I just I, I sort of the, the feeling I have is you, you you just end up with a whole raft of like on on mass scale of more motivated people, and if you think about you know the, the current time, sort of accepted but sort of the post Brexit landscape, yeah. you know when we we need to level up the UK as the Prime Minister says, and we need to you know uh, drive innovation and we need to you know uh, create new wealth in the economy. Mm-hmm. But to me, you know, that all comes from the people we have, and. and Therefore, to you know, to make sure that as much opportunity is available for people to you know, and to work in a way that's flexible for them and that meets their lifestyle needs, so that's how you unlock, yeah. you know, significant opportunity.
1: And how do you obviously there's the 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 kind of tax reform, the IR, the famous IR thirty five has now been deferred yeah. for twelve months. How how does that work with this kind of model? Is you know how do we do you think well firstly i guess the question is do you think that'll end up being reviewed now there's another year with a lot of pressure on it um joe over mm. the course of next year as to whether that will be actually implemented or not
0: i i, I honestly don't know whether it'll be implemented or not. obviously yes and i think the deferral is a sensible a sensible thing personally i think the way the lot of, a lot of companies reacted to it was was a sledgehammer cracking mm. a nut um but also i think you know i think it is fair to say that uh, for a lot of uh, contractors sort of freelance type people who um had been working in the same organizations in some cases for you know five you know years yeah, some, some cases 10 years yeah. you know you know you know to break that that's that that's not you know freelance work and it's yeah. that's not working at risk it's um so so i can understand you know why um, the, the government looked at it, you know, in a way that says, well, you know, you're, you're pretty much a permanent employee yeah. if you're going to be there nine to five and you're working for somebody and you have budget responsibility and, you know, but but you're then, you're then exercising your um, revenue through a, a more efficient sort of tax model that's designed for reinvestment in business and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I, I, I sort of... I, I don't. I wouldn't say if I agree or disagree with it, but I sort of understand why, why they looked at it. I mean, in this particular context, the way um, that I would see it is, it's it's a you know this model becomes a a, a way of working. It's not designed at all to to get around IR thirty five. It's designed actually to uh, to you know to to give people style careers where they're working for you know, potentially sort of two or three or four clients at any one time. And and rather than working on a time and materials basis, they are providing their capability as a service Mm -hmm. to uh, an organization, which is more of a uh, typical consulting style model.
1: One of the um, things when you were just talking about the the psychometric stuff, and I mentioned earlier Ray Dalio, I'm reading his book at the moment uh, called Principles and one of the things Mm. that they really worked on within uh bridgewater associates was um understanding who what people's strengths were and and hiring specifically for strengths within a particular area and they went Mm. so far i mean they used all of they used i can't remember four or five different psychometric profilings myers-briggs was one of them there's there's quite a few others Um, and they ended up creating uh, baseball cards effectively for each in- individual which had their strengths and weaknesses listed on each of them so that everybody knew when they were putting a project together or a piece of work needed to happen who the right people were to get onto the team and it's quite yeah. interesting like you know obviously when that first came out there was some resistance to it and people were quite nervous about having their weaknesses written on a on a card effectively yeah. um but it seems to have been adopted over the last couple of decades or something very effectively and actually mm. it's one of the things they put their their success down to is it's purely around putting people with strengths into roles that they're good yeah. at rather than just trying to get people you know just fill fill roles and and end up with people that aren't fulfilled and aren't happy
0: yeah i think i think you know as, as i said you know earlier on my my experiences with, with that with that type of profile and you know generally speaking hasn't hasn't always been that positive mm. and it Hasn't always been that positive because it was, it was more reductive. Yeah. So it was, it was too much more on the you're you're not that sort of person or you're not this type of person. And actually, you know, there's there's an awful lot of context around those types of assessments. But but the other thing is as well as yes, actually, what you should be really looking at is is your areas of strength are all of these things. And actually, yes, there's areas of development that can bring you bring you to that point. So I think I think a lot of people are probably rightly so, you know, a little bit um, you know, circumspect around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, you know, but as you say there, if it's a strength finder philosophy, yeah. then then it doesn't need to be. You, you know, it, you know, this is about you know the, the the idea that I would have is to make sure that that it does it becomes a um, a, a useful matching exercise that says you know I'm this individual I have these. You know, strengths and areas, you know, that I'm where my my larger preferences would be. Uh, And actually, this is the type of work across these different uh, areas that that I'd be very, very good at. And I can build a fulfilling career. Because I suppose the other thing around, you know, linking to the Portivo concept is we often do these profile and assessments within the work environment, Mm -hmm. within the corporate construct, when we're within a job already. And all of a sudden, we do an assessment that tells us perhaps we're not. We don't have some of the theory that that job then now requires. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, you feel, you're looking over your shoulder. You know, yeah. Yeah. This sort of th- like like threatened sort of response, you know, occurs because we we were in this sort of survival mode of then mm-hmm. trying to prove that we could do those things. Whereas, if actually that didn't matter to me because there was a, a stream of you know demand and need coming from elsewhere within sort of uh, you know various domains that I'm you know that where my strengths were, then I'd probably be less concerned about yeah. that and and. And then the, you know, the, the other sort of consequences or benefits that come from that, you know, would be much, much more, um, you know, present.
1: And so what phase are you, what stage are you currently at with, with, uh, with the project now?
0: So we're only, um, you know, a couple of months in, um, I've got a, you know, a, um, I, uh, recently applied for, a, you know, I'm not sure if the timing's now bad, but a, a government's uh, innovation grant mm-hmm. uh, as well um, to uh, fund a proof of concept in some of the technology, um, and I'll find out about that I think during around about the, the July uh, time frame. Uh, I um, am also um, in the process of getting some introductions to uh, venture capitalists in the shorter term. Um, it, it really is around building a um, small but sort of well-formed um uh, associate uh, network mm-hmm. whereby we can go out and win um some new clients and, and business um probably more in the context of a you know a team of sort of ex industry mm-hmm. uh, professionals who are now working as uh, consultants but do that importantly doing on that statement of work yeah basis so we you know we'll structure the engagement we'll, we'll sort of define our approach we'll you know, you know, show how we'll do it, and then uh, agree a price, and then and then and then crack on on that basis. So, you know, y- yes, you know, we've got a, a sort of five to seven year vision, which is quite grand, and, and mm-hmm. wanting to have, you know make a a much bigger impact on the world of work. But you know, we're a sort of very small startup at the moment, and 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 aiming to you know build some credibility over the next probably six twelve months. Whilst in parallel, mm-hmm. you know, working on some technology that can enable the you know the marketplace effect if you like that we've been talking about on this you know during this uh podcast
1: yeah and are you looking for some people to get in contact if they've got uh you know if they're interested in getting involved with the project
0: uh yeah i would love that you know if, if people want to reach out and and you know they um they have either a different level of contribution uh, to me or um both in terms of knowledge and expertise you know any any advice um, but also if there's somebody who's out there and, and they, they're sitting on a bit of capital uh who um you know wants to you know have that conversation mm-hmm. um and sees this as a an opportunity to invest in something that that has you know the opportunity to be something big and, and meaningful uh, for the future then yeah absolutely that would be uh, i'd be well, very open to having that conversation as well
1: and what's the best way for them to, to get in contact with you via the via the website
0: yeah via the website um or um via my LinkedIn uh, profile uh, as well and maybe just connect with me on there and we could have a I can so we could set up a video conference and, and, yep. and talk talk on our basis it's been great talking it's to very you
1: very good um, yeah, and indeed, yeah indeed. And like I said like I said we'll make we'll make sure we put links to uh make sure so that people can get in contact with you
0: sounds great yeah I'd love to I'd love that so yeah
1: it's been Brilliant. a pleasure great stuff all right cheers thank Danny have much. a good evening thank yeah. you, right. See See you. Yeah. bye, bye. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. If you'd like to hear more, head over to pocketmastermind.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Danny and Portivo, head over to portivo.work. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it if you'd like to share and follow our content so that we can reach more people.